2: Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. They are Sports Illustrated. It's amazing. This incredible body of work. I really appreciate the integrity. Everything you do is well done. You guys do a great job. We love it. What can we say? He's Chris Maddox. He's employed by Sports Illustrated.
3: The announcer's got it in
2: for me. There you go. This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. If you have a problem with it, build a team that can beat them. Hosted by the one and only. thank God. Thank God. Chris Mannix.
3: All right, Nick Wright is here. First things first, Sirius XM Radio and one of my occasional on-TV nemesis. What's Hi the, Chris, what's, how what's the, are you? What's the plural of nemesis? Is there a... I uh, I think Nemesai?
4: Nemesai? I'm not sure, but I am only one person even though I'm sure when you're arguing with me sometimes it feels like there's multiple people involved. It's good to see you, my friend. <laughs> sometimes it does feel like there's multiple people
3: there. It is good to be here recording with you just hours after the Lakers were trampled Annihilated by the Celtics. By the Celtics. And so
4: I'm just I've been I've been hitting refresh, refresh, refresh. I've been waiting for the annual tradition of Chris Mannix getting Boston Celtics fans up just hopes up just a touch too high. The I know you were saying before the year or early in the year that there may be a big man away from being able to make the NBA Finals. I assume now your belief is they can make the NBA Finals as presently constituted and maybe win. Am I correct? You
3: are incorrect. I oh. having seen them Get trampled mostly by Milwaukee. A few days prior, mm-hmm. the Bucks to me are still the class. But two. Mo- let me. For, I don't want to get to make this a Celtics thing. No, let's do it. Two, I'm excited. Two moves the Celtics should make in the next month and a half: uh, trade for Davis Bertans in Washington. Terrific three point shooter. Uh, okay. Give up the Memphis pick to go and get him. That oh. pick is probably going to be like in the teens, something like that. Now the Memphis is quasi good. Give up the Memphis pick and some small piece because Bertans does make a ton of money get Bertans he's a floor spacing guy make shots off the bench re-sign him at a pretty big number next year and have him as part of your core and at the buyout market sign another member of the Washington Wizards who could get bought out Jan Mahimi bring oh. in Jan Mahimi bring in Davis Bertans then you're cooking. Then you give yourself a chance.
4: I've always had the belief that the more Wizards you can add to your team, the better chance you have of winning a championship. Can I throw a different fake trade at you? Yes. Especially now that the Memphis pick, which for a long time I know people thought might be one day a number one pick or a top five pick. Not so much. Now that that's in play... They, when I watched the Celtics, and they were great yesterday, and Jalen Brown, who I mocked the contract extension, that, that extension looks better and better by the day. I have to concede that point. We'll see how it ages over the f- next couple years, but through the first Probably pretty the- well. I it, mean, it could. You know. If he continues this up, it will. I I, I want to see it. Kimba obviously has been awesome for them, uh but when I watch him and I feel like they're one piece away, I think they should go after Anthony Davis. <laughs> I think he could really fit. With what they're trying to do, and it seems like something that really I think Danny Ainge should look into. Anthony Davis.
3: Anthony Davis, okay. I think well, it'd be
4: good. I, mean, I, I, mean, he, I know he wasn't very good yesterday. Maybe you can, or against the Lakers, maybe you can get him, you know, with his stock is down. Uh, and now, I know, I know Danny probably wouldn't trade for him unless he committed to a long-term contract. Not consent. if you have to include Marcus Smart. Uh, I mean, right. That's- By the way, Marcus Smart. Wicked good, mock, Smut. smart. Did he hit 11 threes the other day? He
3: did. And uh, I think he's
4: got to. It has to have been the highest percentage of threes for someone
3: who took 20 shots in a game. 20 shots, 18 three point attempts in that one. Oh, that's what it was? It was wild. That's,
4: yeah, that's crazy. Good for him because once upon a time he was the worst shooter in the league. <laughs> yes, he was. And last year he shot a, like a really respectable number 34, 35% mid 30s, like. yeah, yeah, something like that. Which was great and had an 11 3 game. I couldn't believe it. But no, listen, this is. People think I don't like the Celtics,
3: and it's not true. It's mostly because of me. Uh, well,
4: there's there's a few things. I mean, I just got of a tortured history with Boston sports in general. But I I love Giannis. The Bucks are my preseason pick to make the finals last year. They were my pick to make the finals, and I thought they were going to roll to the finals till that tr- triple overtime was a triple overtime, double overtime game three against the against the Raptors, and they are up two nothing, mm-hmm. and the whole series flipped. Uh, but I really even though I don't like being wrong, would love it if the Celtics could overachieve to make the finals because nothing would be better than if the Celtics finally break through again post-KG era only to meet LeBron in the NBA Finals so he can sweep their ass out of the playoffs again. That kind of would be the perfect way for the season to end. Instead, I think it's going to end with LeBron versus Giannis in the finals, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Celtics were great yesterday. LeBron was not very good. Uh, and the Lakers lost second time in three games after a really good win against Houston in a game I actually was
3: at down in Houston this weekend. Great game against Houston. I want to touch on some of the Rockets towards the end because sure. you mocked one of my takes in the elevator on the way out. Oh, but Oh,
4: I save, Listen, save it. Save it. This, this, this is going to be a longer podcast. I promise you, America. Chris Mannix, you think he's had some wild takes before. The the Rockets take Chris Mannix is about to unveil is all-time galaxy brain take. Right. So like, we can get to that later. All right, top
3: of the Western Conference right now. You've still got the Lakers with a comfortable lead over the Clippers. But those two teams, 1-2, and, and the, clearly the class, I think.
4: Oh, well, let's be fair to the Nuggets and Jazz. Yeah, you're the right. Clippers, it, well, uh,
3: the Nuggets, let's be fair to. The Jazz, they've been uneven most of the year. They're, they're, they're picking some momentum up right now. My they're, point
4: is Nuggets, Jazz, Clippers, same exact record. All thirty and thirteen with the Clippers potentially could. So you could say the Clippers are in second. You could also say they're in fourth. I, I mean, I don't know. It's third as well, whatever. Right, you can do. but
3: I mean, I look at the Clippers' record with Kawhi like twenty four and eight as I'm recording this. I mean, they're, they're great with Kawhi in the lineup. He's just he just doesn't sit, like to play. that He often. doesn't like to play all that often. But let's just the, mm-hmm. those two teams. I'm still convinced they're going to meet in the conference finals. Are, are they either are both those teams where you expected them to be right now? The Lakers. I was surprised a little bit by how fast they started. I mean, I thought they'd get off to a good start given the schedule, but that early December stretch where they started to win games against good teams, mm-hmm. that surprised me. And the Clippers, when Kawhi plays, they're really, really good. When he doesn't, they're eh, kind of average. So.
4: Yeah, so the, I, I think both of these teams are exactly where I projected them for the year, which was the Lakers being the best team in the West, and they clearly are. I don't know why people would be surprised at them being awesome. They have two of the six best players in basketball, and their best players actually play all the time, which is helpful. I know Anthony Davis just got hurt, and so he missed five games, but that wasn't a load management issue. Of LeBron's played 41 of their 43 games. They, they had, to me, a shocking win. The one of the games LeBron missed the game against OKC where no LeBron, no Anthony Davis. I think Rondo was hurt for that game as well. Not that Ronda was any good. Uh, Here comes Kyle Kuzma, and they were right, and it was one of the few good Kyle Kuzma games. Uh, the Clippers, also, you know this. I picked them to finish fourth in the West and lose in the first round. I am. Do I think that they will lose in the first round? I think that is entirely independent. Or dependent on what they who they draw. Like for for instance, I think Dallas is a great story. I don't think Dallas is winning a playoff series this year. I don't think they're yet ready for that. And I think that Luca, who is my third favorite player in basketball, and you and I were on this same page, but you know, the, it feels like the folks, anyone that actually cared at all about international basketball was saying, so it's not like I was unique in this, and if people care enough to listen to this podcast, a lot of people, that Luca was the clear-cut number one pick of that draft. It was DeAndre Ayton is going to have a really nice career, and he's a really good player. And Trey, I love Trey, but Luca was the only guy who could have been what he was. And his numbers this year are out of this world. I still don't think they're yet ready to be a real contender. I think it's probably another year.
3: Supporting cast around them. They were playing over their heads a little bit early and, in the season. And
4: in a playoff series, I feel like you just... Throw two people at Luca repeatedly and say we dare you know Chris Dapps yeah. good luck we dare you so yeah if the Clippers were to get like the Mavericks in the first round I think they'd win that series I don't think they're better than the Rockets the Rockets are playing I think that matchup is terrible for the Clippers and the Rockets are playing terribly right now so now's not a good time to be pro Rockets why is that matchup terrible they've, for the Clippers um well they've lost both the times they've they're, either they're one and two against the Clippers I think I also think. Here's, but to, rather than to key in on that specific matchup, g- to give the bigger point, yep. th- the thought process was the Clippers would be the best defense in the NBA. And the reason I pumped the brakes on the Clippers hype was I just can't remember a defense post Jordan's Bulls that was a great, great defense without a real rim protector. And what Jordan's Bulls had was arguably, the three best perimeter defenders in the entire league. And people said, well, Clippers might have that same thing, but the game has changed so immensely since then. And so what we've seen in the Clippers is they're not a great defensive team. They're a good defensive team. Top
3: 10 defensive team right now. Yeah,
4: but they were supposed to be the number one defense. The, the Them in Philly. It was supposed to be those two teams, Philly once they got Horford, and Philly's a whole different mess for different reasons.
3: How are you discounting Zubac as a rim protector? Oh, okay. I, I look, oh, okay. he's got he's got problems, but they're mostly like perimeter problems. Like, he's not great defending pick and rolls. That's a huge problem mm-hmm. for that team defensively. But he is – I think he's been a decent rim protector for them.
4: So here's, here's, I guess, my other issue with the Clippers is they have two of the best two-way players in the league in Kawhi and Paul George. No one can deny that. I – My issues with Kawhi are unrelated to how good he is when he actually plays. But all their other key guys are designated hitters. Patrick Beverly is stupendous on one end of the court. Lou Williams is great on the other end of the court. If they were the same person, that'd be a top five player in the league. True. Harrell is a really good offensive player. He's a huge liability defensively, unless you include rebounding as rebounding as part of defense. Zubac is what you said, yep. and so you've—it's just an oddly built team in that you you want to have your crunch time five be obviously Kawhi and Paul George, Lou and Pat, and then a fifth guy. But Lou is gonna hurt you on the defensive end, Pat's gonna hurt you on the offensive end, and so your spacing could be a bit off on one end, and then you also on the other end, if you've got any liabilities on the outside defensively, it not having a rim protector hurts. So that's my concern with them. And if they do get to play the Lakers, and everyone like the and I'm not sure they will, and if they do, it honestly might be round two. Like that's it, it's totally in play that they're the four or the five, and it's a round two matchup. I don't think they have an answer for Anthony Davis. Now, Anthony Davis has got to play well in the postseason, but, they, and I don't, people talk about these teams being major players at the deadline. That's the part that I think is missing from some of the conversation. The Lakers, the Clippers, and the Rockets are going to be so hamstrung at the deadline because they've traded away all their picks. Or at least not all of them, but the the because of the rules on trading picks, like the Clippers traded away all their picks, Lakers traded away a bunch of picks, the Rockets traded away a bunch of picks. But most of those are way down the road. Like y- you know who could be a huge player at the deadline if they want to be the Thunder, but because they've got nothing but picks, but yeah, I they're probably think,
3: going the other way, right? Though. Of yeah. course,
4: I don't think that's what they're going to do. So aside from adding Andre Iguodala, I I don't know what major move any of those teams can make except for buyout guys, and buyout guys do matter and. You know, the Lakers and Clippers will fight for those guys.
3: I will say this about the Clippers. One player they could be in play for is Kevin Love. Really? I think the Clippers could be in play for Kevin Love, yes. How They've f- got some contracts there. I mean, you've got the – and I'm looking it up as we're speaking. Sure. It. you got the Harkless contract. That's like $11.5 million. Uh Harrell is about six million dollars. You can make some of the money work to get to Kevin Love's number. You can make some
4: of the money, but won't the don't the Cavs want picks and don't the Clippers not? Cavs have are that? not
3: getting picks. They are not getting draft picks for Kevin Love. And if they do, it's going to be one of those like heavily protected whatever.
4: So why? I'm not I'm again this isn't me being no, trying to argue with you. It's just you 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 actually you know, you have a hell of a lot more league sources than me. You talk to GMs and stuff. I why would Kevin Love not fetch something of a decent return
3: the the contract the co- like most people I talk to about Kevin Love think in eighteen months that contract could be an albatross okay. around, his neck, around his neck like right now he's still a good player, very good player, he's but a the, very good player. The injury history is there, and there's a lot of concerns about it. He gets moved before the deadline. I think if it's just a matter of expiring contracts, Miami's going to be there to to jump on him
4: yes, like and by the way, and love, i I like love a lot and he, I think, obviously would be an upgrade for almost any team that would trade for him. But he doesn't solve the Clippers' problem. He's not a rim protector. Right. I, I, do, do, you, I do think that is a major issue. If that, if that, It's one thing to just say we're just going to go try to outscore people. But even the Rockets who tried to do that, they did say, but we want a rim protector and Clint Capella, and they prioritized that. And so I just think it's very difficult to be a great defense. It was my concern with Boston. With it, that they Okay, so you're going to try to build this hard-nosed, tough, athletic team, but if guys get to the rim, my old pal who tussled my hair, Enos Cantor, is waiting for you there.
3: Monster game against the Lakers <laughs> I know, last night. I know, Monster he game for kids loves Kansas.
4: playing LeBron. Loves it. Um, but those are real concerns when to win the title, you're going to have to beat LeBron and Anthony Davis, and you're going to have to beat Giannis, I believe. You know what I mean? Like, not having a big guy to meet those people at the rim, to me, is concerning.
3: I think the Clippers, you're right. I, I think the Clippers, one thing they do well right now is that they can have their own little death lineup out there with Harold at the five and can run you yeah. up and down the floor. And if you can force teams to play that way, and look, Davis is a five in key situations. You know, if you can force them to play that style, maybe... You can have more success because then you have Kawhi at the four, Paul George at the three, and you can do some damage there. But I, look, I think if Kevin Love, if they if they were, and I think it's more of a long shot, but I think they're in play. That's another guy you could put in a death lineup kind of out there as the five man who can rebound a little bit. And
4: would would, you, would the Celtics be interested in Love?
3: Yeah, but one of the, the biggest problem with Boston is that they don't have the salaries to match. Like gotcha. unless they're going to offload, uh, you know, Smart, which they don't want to do, Hayward kind of off the table. It's like Daniel Tice, and it's Cantor, and it's these five million ish contracts. They just can't deal. That's why. That's why I suggested Bertons early on. Like he's the one guy they could fit into their salary structure. So got it. Hayward though, is it? I mean, I would move Hayward to the bench. I, I would. He just you need scoring with that second unit, and Smart is quite frankly a better fit with that that well, front line.
4: And like the listen, the, people don't like. To talk about this, and I don't—I shouldn't say people don't like to talk about this, I think people feel badly because it's not his fault. I don't think anyone blames him. But sometimes traumatic injuries are exactly that, traumatic injuries. And they change the trajectory of your career. They change who you are as a player. And you don't always just become the same guy. Like, people point to Paul George, but that's not a guarantee. Mm. And so, like, Gordon Hayward – He's not an all star anymore, no. he, you know. What I, and so, like the, and I get the problem for uh, Brad. St- Brad Stevens recruited him in college, like he the, the the all these things, and he seems like a great dude. But he's still getting paid. He's still getting, you know what I mean, to, to live out his dream. It's unfortunate that this thing happened, but the, last year I thought they should have moved him to the bench. If I were being totally honest, like this has been a discussion. For you know, for quite some time, I think you're absolutely right on that regard.
3: Yeah, I think actually Hayward's been really good this year. I just think he's almost a luxury in that starting lineup. When you have Kemba, Jalen, and Jason as scorers, and that second unit doesn't have any, bringing him off the bench. But I don't, I just don't know that Brad will do it. Like the the closeness of that relationship yeah. that you alluded to, I think that's a problem. And I'm,
4: Hayward, by the way, you, especially he was playing great, and he suffered some weird injury. Was it broken a broken broken hand in that Spurs right, game, the, yeah, he, and. So this is, he's obviously playing way better than last year yeah. but the the one of the better things that happened to the Lakers in my opinion was Kuzma being hurt early because it made it seamless that he could be the bench guy, the, the scorer coming off the bench. There is immense value in having a guy who is clearly one of your five best players be not be one of your starters if he's not good enough to where you're going to run things through him with the starters so he can run things he can get his shots get his touches coming off the bench and just rotations fit better that way and I agree with you 100% because to their credit the young guys have played great in in Kimba I'm sorry in Tatum and Brown and Kimba right now if the Nets called you called the Celtics and said, "Hey, Kyrie for Kimba, straight <laughs> up. No, no right. It, you get hung up on immediately, <laughs> no. and and Kimba's been exactly what the team needed. And credit to them. And he got his first win ever against LeBron yesterday. Do you know? You know what's unbelievable? The only the, LeBron was twenty-eight 0 against Kimba. Mm. The only player did you see it who was better against one other person? No, it wasn't. It was it Michael Jordan thirty mm. and against Sherman Douglas? <laughs> Another Celtic. Another, yeah,
0: thirty and against <laughs> Sherman Douglas."
3: Uh, let's talk about Kuzma for a second because if I look at the Lakers and their championship potential, he's the wild card in all that. You know, Kuzma has been the definition of inconsistent all season. Some of it has to do with the injury he suffered, missed all of the preseason, had to work his way back into shape and work his way into a new lineup with new guys. But there is an argument to be made that he's not built to play. Off of and alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis, to be that type of that that type of player, almost needs to be just this kind of efficient three point shooter. Can stand in the corner, can give you shots, and occasionally take over offensively. Kuzma has yet to show that. What's what, if any, is your level of concern with Kuzma figuring it out and becoming, you
4: know, the piece they need on this team? Oh, it, immense! If they're relying on him, I now I don't like. Listen, I think one of the reasons LeBron likes playing with veterans it, I think it's multi-layered. One is if you're not a star and it is very very difficult to set stats aside if you haven't been paid yet. And, and so I think and that is a human thing. I totally understand it, but I think that is a really hard thing. I think it's one of the things the Celtics were dealing with last year is guys, okay, ask me to be you can ask Kevin Love or Chris Bosch to play that role on a max contract. It's like, hey, now it's about winning. You've already had personal accolades. When you've never made an all-star team, when you've never made any real money, and you're trying to prove what level of contract you want, you want the, the spotlight. That's first of all. Second of all, when I, the, the fun thing for me is I obviously watch the whole league but I watch every single LeBron game. So there are certain guys that I have a picture of in my head from watching them occasionally, and then they come to LeBron's team, and I'm like, oh, I was way wrong about them. Jordan Clarkson was one. Jordan Clarkson, I'd see him occasionally with the terrible Lakers. Like, oh, he's interesting. His numbers are fine. He got to the Cavs, and I'm like, this guy is a train wreck. He will take 11 shots in seven minutes. He is the ultimate green light. Cannot stand him. Uh, Kuz... This year, especially because they've got two superstars, they're a great team, his immaturity when it comes to the selfishness of his game, and, I, and it sounds more cutting than I mean it to, but if he gets a ball on a two-on-one fast break, He's the most likely guy on the team to keep it even if, you know what I mean? The mm-hmm. There are certain possessions where he hasn't touched the ball on a few possessions. He gets the ball off a rebound, and he's the only guy on the team that does this, that he'll be the only guy that touches it. He will dribble it up the court, he'll look around, and he'll take a bad shot, and that that is typical of young players especially young players who their rookie year really popped kind of somewhat out of nowhere and are trying to regain that last year was terrible shooting season for him uh and now and now this year all his friends are gone like that's the other thing like who on the team is is he hanging with Caruso i guess you know what i mean like mm-hmm. uh, just as far as age so i don't think he's a fit i think that and I know people that aren't LeBron guys get sick of, you know, LeBron gets there and you ship people out. Yeah, you do, and you win championships, and it works. Like the trading the young core for Anthony Davis absolutely has been the right move. And Kuzma's the only trade chip they have left. Yeah. And so I now I was really impressed, and LeBron spoke about it after the game in the Rockets game. Russ was killing them. And. Uh, they put Kuzma on him in third quarter, and he actually played some good lockdown defense. But I think it's going to ebb and flow. And the one other thing that that stuff Kuzma's trainer said about LeBron that don't fly, man. Yeah, like that's that that resonated. Of mm-hmm. course, it resonated. Mm-hmm. Like, give me the the if Manix, if my it's a mixed metaphors, if after this podcast, my wife put up an Instagram story was like so sick of all these. Boston jackasses trying to ha- take my husband's time. Hey, uh, blah, blah. Like, you, you'd be like, okay, well, that clearly came from Nick, and that's going to cause an issue in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know unless you disavow that. I think that's a real problem. And the other part of it was it was – so, there are fair criticisms of LeBron, even if you don't often hear them from me. Admittedly, the idea, the criticism the trainer had was LeBron doesn't work on his game, which is so ludicrous and such a you know I would say that a kid, a kid that doesn't know better that you know what I mean, is mm-hmm. someone that might as a kid, but that's also kind of a grown man. All of a sudden, dye their hair platinum. Like these are the and so I, I think that's a problem. And so it, it, it's compounded by the fact I'm sure he doesn't love his role and that he's not playing that great. For the second straight year, not playing. He wasn't great last year. Right. And so...
3: Not a very efficient player.
4: No. And so, like, those are all... I know that's a very long answer, mm-hmm. but those are uh, those are all concerns. But I do think he is... He's the only tradable asset they have. Yep. Right? Like, because he's young, he's on a cheap contract. Yep. He's valuable to them because he's on a cheap contract and they're so capped out.
3: But he's being... Exp- like... My understanding of it, from talking to different people, is that he's being exposed. The last two years, the year and a half, he's been exposed a little bit as just this kind of high volume scorer. That if you put him on a bet, not to compare him to Jordan Clarkson, but closer to Jordan Clarkson than he is to you know a top three type of player yeah. on your team, and that's going to make him difficult to deal. Like there was some talk about Bogdanovic up in Sacramento, the Kings, as crazy as they are, are not going to do that deal for to flop uh, Kuzma for for Bogdanovic. I don't know if the market. Is going to return the type of player the Lakers need in that spot.
4: Well, and the you know the you mentioned when LeBron comes to your team, it's not just Nick Wright that watches you every day; it's yep. everyone, and it can work really well for you. I the I think smart NBA people realized Caruso isn't just a meme; he's a good player, solid. He's a like he is a he can be the eighth guy on a title team. He can, you know what I mean, if you're only going to play eight guys in the playoffs, he can be that guy. He's smart, he he tries defensively, he's a good athlete, and if the Lakers are bad and LeBron's not there, Cruz is just the bald white guy who sh- dunks on people, right? You know what I mean? So there can be a plus side to it. But you also have to be very comfortable in your role and understand the Rising Tides will raise the boats as far as winning goes like I let's just say Kuzma was in the trade the Anthony Davis trade instead of Ingram okay for a moment Ingram's not popping the way he is in New Orleans there like it is freeing for a young player it seems not very good things are going to run through me I can become the fully realized version of myself later in my career right now I'm proving who I am as a pro and Kuzma's just in a rough spot like there are enormous positives to LeBron coming to your team, but there's also some real tough ones if you're a young player who hasn't been paid, who's trying to prove who they are in the league.
3: Yeah. Look, I, I if I'm Frank Vogel over the next three months, assuming the Kuzma stays on the roster, you've got to just force feed him these minutes alongside LeBron and A D, even if they don't go well. You've got I don't think they can I don't think the Lakers can win a championship unless Kuzma is playing a significant role on that team. I think he's got to be an offensive force, whether it is with that second unit or in a starting line or, or alongside those guys. One of the problems he's having is that last night or the Monday night notwithstanding, the Lakers always have LeBron or AD on the floor. They couldn't do it last night because yeah, AD AD's AD's it was on administration, yep. but they always have one. So Kuzma's always going to have to play alongside one of them out there on the floor. And I think you've got to just... Deal with bad games with him. You've got to try to get him comfortable before the end of the season because I just don't believe you can win w- without him making shots and giving you some kind of production with that group.
4: Yeah, unless they. I mean, unless Andre Iguodala comes there and yeah, takes I mean, that spot. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's You know what yeah. I mean? Like, because I'm just trying to think about
3: when does Memphis invite like Iguodala back? Do they, do they say like, hey man, I, we're in the playoff mix right now. You want to come give us some help?
4: Th- th- well, that whole thing bothers me. Yeah, but that the. I I don't think Memphis is handling that the way you're supposed to handle this in this league. And you can say it's it, – it, it, there are certain – I know baseball is the unwritten rule sport. There are certain understood unwritten rules of basketball, and I think it's to qu- use a quote from my dearly departed grandfather, it's penny-wise and pound-foolish. Mm-hmm. Players will remember. You know what I mean? Other players. Who cares about what Andre Woodall thinks about you? Other guys respect him. He's a real grown-up in this league. He's accomplished immense things. And what they're doing there, I think, is BS. But if we're trying to figure out who the eight guys for the Lakers rotation will be in the playoffs. So you have LeBron, Anthony Davis, Danny Green, who hasn't been great, but I trust him yep. immensely. Avery Bradley's going to be there. Yep. I, both centers... Is it going to be both centers or JaVale will start, but it's, let's just say one center. Let's just so JaVale and Dwight, one guy there. Now we're at five. Right. Right? I Caruso or Rondo. I don't think you can be both. I would far prefer Caruso. We'll see. Now we're at six. KCP, we're at seven. And KCP, hey, my guy KCP's he's, been good. He's been good he's, two years in a row. He's absolutely. And so now we're at seven. The eighth guy, of course, and I'm not saying he actually would be eighth, but I'm just counting eight people, is Kuzma. If they get Iguodala, I don't think they – you don't have to go ten deep in the postseason. You're right.
3: And if so, they get Iguodala, Kuzma becomes not superfluous, but less necessary in And that I do
4: wonder if that – if there's a moment of, for him, and he can go one of two ways, it could totally derail it, or it's a, hey, man, I understand that you think 21 minutes – five of seven from the field is not helping your free agent stock you know what really doesn't help it dnp coaches decision Mm -hmm. and in the biggest games of your life and that's the one other thing we've never seen any of these guys well i shouldn't say any of these guys because they obviously have remade the team but we haven't seen kuzma in a playoff game and so we've got to see has kcp played in a playoff game I'm Ooh. trying to think of was he Detroit before Detroit? That? Like so I do, maybe, maybe yeah. but regardless, like the not a
3: big situation. Yeah,
4: any the Lakers that predate LeBron on there's not many more. There's not many of them left. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dwight,
3: I guess you know
4: the right of no, but I'm saying the guys who were there when they acquired oh, right, LeBron. Right. There's only it's like Kuzma and KCP, uh, those and Caruso. Those guys obviously don't have real playoff experience, maybe none except for KCP. I'm not certain on it, but so I am curious how they play in that spot as well. Yeah, I mean to
3: to your point also about Iguodala. At, at some point, don't we have to wonder what kind of condition he's in? Like what he's been doing for I'm the sure last few months? Uh, golf. I'm sure golf. It's a lot of golf. And, and I'm sure he's working out on some level. But you know, it, let's say the the uh, Grizzlies cut him after the trade deadline. How is he going to be able to get back into like champ, like championship level shape in his mid thirties? Yeah, this like that. It's a
4: good. It's a fair. It's a totally fair question.
3: That's that's a legitimate question. All right, let's, let's talk about the All Stars for a second. And know, we can skip the West a little bit. You and I are kind of in sync on those. I had uh, Kawhi over Jokic in that lineup, but you know that's fine either way. Uh, the East is where there's some variance. So, and the, just
4: so everyone, so we we had the same on right. Harden, Luka, Luka, LeBron, AD. And then I had Jokic, you had Kawhi, because yeah. you don't think playing matters. I get it. Yeah, right. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I think Kawhi,
3: when he's been out on the floor, has been excellent. He's, but that's,
4: he's been very, very good. Uh, he's been very, Eastern good. Eastern Conference, same
3: page with Jana, Giannis. Jana. Same page with Giannis. Same page, Kemba Walker, who's earned his spot in the starting yep. lineup. The Ben Simmons pick is the second guard. That's where I was kind of tortured on for a little bit, because I whittled it down to Ben Simmons and Kyle Lowry. Uh and Kyle's, the biggest argument against Kyle Lowry was the number of games he played in. Ben, I think, has played in, or will play in, about 10 more games than Kyle Lowry. Now, we're having this discussion in the immediate aftermath of Ben playing out of his mind in Brooklyn yep. and having one of the best games of the season, maybe the best game of the season. But I just have a hard time. Kyle Lowry, we know, is, we know really impacts winning on a Raptors team that at, is I don't know if you call him overachieving, but certainly maximizing its potential. The Sixers right now are not maximizing their potential. And whenever you critique the Sixers, it invariably comes back to Ben Simmons and the things that he's not doing. Now, the things he does do are incredible. They are, you know, defense, rebounding, open floor play. He's awesome, but he continues to refuse to put up anything outside the paint. Yep. Refuse to take three-point shots. I'll tell you, Nick, I crowdsourced this a little bit. I sent it out to like half a dozen scouts uh, and asked them, of those two players, which would they pick? And five out of the six
4: said Kyle Lowry. Let me ask you this, because I think the all of that is well thought out, and I think it's smart. How much of that do you think, though, is the fact that Kyle Lowry, rightfully so, is so much more well-respected, and better liked because you look at Lowry and you say, even after what people would call some immaturity issues early in his career, he has gotten the absolute most out of his, if you want to call it God-given ability or whatever it is, while Ben Simmons has been the exact same player for three years. I think there's something to that. And so the, the reason I mention it is it is possible that even with not improving at all, he's still better. You know what I mean? Like that, that he just happened to come into the league. If we're going to use NBA 2K as an 88, mm-hmm. and he stayed in an 88, and Kyle Lowry, it, it, the at this point in his career, because he's not as good as he once was, even getting the most out of is it, an 86. Is a so, championship
3: afterglow too? Right you know, from that, and yeah. so
4: the, the. But if you, I also though think the All Star game, some of it, it should be a bit of beauty pageant. And if you want to reward Kyle Lowry, I'm totally good with it. I I also, though, think the one thing you said that I don't agree with is, yes, and he, a lot of the Sixers issues come down to Ben. But some of them come down to the fact that Joel Embiid has not taken the leap that he's supposed to. Right? Like, they, if before the year, did you do an MVP pick? Uh, or are you not? Yeah,
3: even, no, I did. Giannis Giannis, didn't. prop. Yeah. Like,
4: yeah. So, I think smart money was on Giannis. Yeah. Uh, there was, you know, some LeBron potential, as there always is. Mm-hmm. But if someone said, my pick's Joel Embiid, I wouldn't have said they were crazy. Mm-hmm. And if someone said, my pick to come out of the East is the Sixers, because I think Joel Embiid is going to be not a top 12 player, but a top three, certainly a top five player, I'd have said, yeah, he's supposed to be. He, he, like, I believed him when he cried coming off the court against the the Raptors, and they were that close to beating the team and up winning the title. And is he better than last year? Like, did he get better? I it, 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 let's set the his finger dislocation aside. Like, right. I don't the it, has he and has he been? It, it, if the coaching staff can't get, maybe no one can get through to Ben Simmons. But I would say the guy who has maybe the best chance is Joel. I don't know like I to me he is it's a tough standard but he's at least statistically speaking a inferior player to last season and they're not the world beaters unstoppable defensive team that I think they have the personnel to be because they don't have one they have two rimmed protectors they're the, one of the longest teams ever and Some of that, so Ben gets a lot of the criticism, understandably, but Joel, because he's still awesome and doesn't have really any holes in his game, skirts on it, but after a year where he gave you, in the numbers I'm looking at them now, I had forgotten how big they were, 27-14 and a game last year, it wasn't unreasonable to say this year, can he be what the stat line Giannis is putting up? Not the assists, but thirty and fifteen, and it and instead to be at twenty three and twelve, and have the blocks down a tick, the field goal percentage down just a tick, like that is disappointing to me.
3: Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Um, Joel Embiid does not play with consistent force every single night, and when he's engaged, like there's we we give Rudy Gobert credit for being the best defensive player in the league, but an engaged Joel Embiid, I think, is better. Like he is just a monster underneath that rim and how he can just do so many different things. Uh, It's just the Simmons critique comes... It it, Why he won't even attempt threes is hard to understand because they are practically begging him to do it. If he went 0 for 10, they would throw him apart in the locker room. They don't care if he misses threes. What they know down in Philly is that if he doesn't attempt threes now, there's no way he does it in the postseason and that's going to kill them.
4: Of course. And it's the... It's unbelievable that he won't do it. It's. I th- can't explain it. There's no. The, the only thing. The, the analogy. I is there any name that you just can't pronounce no matter how hard you try? So <laughs> I'm for sure. me, yeah. Uh, o. G. For the Raptors. Adenobi. Yeah. Okay, so for I've got a mental block with it, and I don't know why, and I and I really try hard to especially guy foreign players to not just butcher their last name because I think it's disrespectful you mm-hmm. it deserve to be called the right name um but I've just given up out of embarrassment so I just call him OG mm-hmm. which is confusing because there's like a thing like oh he's an OG so if I just re- reference you know OG people I don't even think know who I'm talking about but I'm embarrassed that I can't do it when I think I'm actually a really good speaker I I know it's an awkward analogy But when you're such a good basketball player, and you feel like, I I stink at this, is it about embarrassment? Is it simply about, there's thousands of people here, there's hundreds of thousands or millions of watching at home, why would I do the one thing that makes me uncomfortable when I can just easily do the things that make me comfortable? And the answer is, because if you don't, you don't win. Like, that was a why did the cat the caps why did the heat lose to the mavericks cuz the thing lebron was uncomfortable with he refused to do and it in that then he short circuited obviously but the like there is you got to gr- get past that you're now paid like you're a great great player you've got to do the things that are even uncomfortable and i talked to Blake Griffin and he said man i wouldn't let anyone in the gym with me I was so embarrassed. Like, I was remaking my shot. It was it was the only thing I could compare it to athletically is I had major shoulder surgery when I was uh, a senior in high school, and the only way to get full mobility back was to do, like, I don't know what the thing's called, but where you lift your arm all the way to the side, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But I had to literally, like, if I went to the gym, the only weights I could do it with were, like, the soft pink ones. You know what I mean like the 1 pounders yep. whatever it is. And so I just never did it. I was too embarrassed. And I still to this day by the way don't have full range of motion because I was an idiot teenager, but it was embarrassing. And I think the fear of embarrassment's a a, a real one and it's the only explanation I can come up with.
3: Yeah. It's, it's the only one. It's tough to figure out. Especially we both know how hard the guy works. Like he yes. clearly works to improve his game in different areas. He clearly works on his shot in the off season. There are times that I see him shooting, warming up. Warming up. He's making those shots. Yes. He's, you, know, you talk to Brett Brown, he's making them in practice. And there just is a block out there.
4: And that's the other thing is the form isn't terrible. It's not great, mm-hmm. but it's not like he has the ugliest shot in the league. One more thing about the Sixers, because you mentioned yep. Brett Brown. I don't understand how they have not stolen, and it's not like the Lakers invented this, but this year they seem to have perfected it. How many buckets a game do they get from LeBron doing a three-quarter court pass up court to either Anthony Davis or even JaVale, who has just sprinted down and all of a sudden, because the other big's not down there, they they have an instant post-up with a smaller player. I feel like LeBron's got 15% of assists this year on that exact thing. Mm -hmm. Joel needs to, when he comes back, they need to incorporate that. The one spot where I had a really smart NBA person say this to me—it's such a smart point—that you can name me it's for, okay. for 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 It was it was Butch Carter, the for, former NBA coach for brother of. Oh, my, I assumed it was me. For, no, 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 no. Uh, okay, yeah. And he he made he made this point that they let you beat up guys like Joel Embiid in the half court. He's too big. It's been the, the one spot the refs let the big guy beat up the defender. Is in transition if running down the court or trying to get position right then. Take advantage of that. Kick the ball up there and you have an instant mismatch and twice a game, just twice a game, you can get a layup. But that's the margins. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and so that's just a small adjustment that I do think is incumbent on Brett Brown to make.
3: All right, so we agree on Jimmy Butler, who's had a fantastic season in Miami, and they deserve to have somebody in the starting mm-hmm. lineup there. Yep. I mean, he's been great. What a um, year for them so far. I mean, unbelievable. And they're I mean, look, they're gonna be in play at the trade deadline with some of their expiring contracts. I mentioned Kevin Love. At a bio has been awesome for them. He's got deserves all-star yep. consideration off the bench. I went with Embiid though as my as my fifth choice over Pascal Siakam, which is crazy for me because I've been riding the Pascal yeah, Siakam gonna... MVP train. Oh, yeah,
4: that's right.
3: I was on it early. Yes, I was were. on I just couldn't, and look, the the number of games played with Embiid and Siakam it's are almost comparable. Identical. They're comparable. Yep. I just I kind of made my choice on which Toronto Raptor, who's missed a bunch of time, was going to be in the starting lineup, and that was Kyle Lowry. So I have no quibble with with Siakam being a starter. I think he's going to have a fantastic second half of the season, and they're going to be monsters in the playoff, largely because of him. I just had to I had to mix it up a little bit. I had to go with Embiid because he's having even though it's not the same as last year, still a strong statistical year, 23-and-a-half and 12-and-a-half. Like, he's been, and again, engaged a terrific defensive player. Yeah,
4: And so that, I got no beef with that. I the, the I didn't have Kawhi in my starting lineup out West because he's missed this many games without suffering a major injury. If a guy like Siakam or Embiid misses time because of a specific injury where, they're, where they're, they sit him for, to me, that's a little different than missing games due to rest, and, right. so, and I think that's a fair distinction. Maybe other people say miss games a miss game. It's not exactly. It's not quite how I look at it. And even though Siakam, his field goal percentage is down, I think almost ten percent from last year. You watch him and you're like, well, that's just because now th- this is what happens when you lose. You're like now you're the go-to guy. You have to take the end of shot clock shots. You have to all these things. He's been great, and so you, you were right that I poked fun when I said, I think it was I, I poked fun mm-hmm. at you about him being an MVP, and you could have won a lot of money from me because I forgot you have a vote. And <laughs> you I, said he will not get a top five MVP vote, which is. And I, well, like, I said it. I, I will bet any amount of money yes. he doesn't get a single top five MVP vote. Um, I think I might have said top three, but regardless. No, you said top five. Okay, but Either you way. could have accepted the bet <laughs> and then just voted him fifth. Even if he never plays again, take a Like check. they're not gonna. But I appreciate you not doing that to me. <laughs> but yeah, Embiid's fine. I I went Siakam uh, for I think a, we, we both had one Raptor and one Sixer, and we just picked different ones.
3: Totally fine there. All right, let me finish uh, in the Eastern Conference, and we both agree the Western Conference playoffs are going to be
4: Ho, real quick. Though, hold on, you cannot finish in the Eastern Conference because you have to finish with your Rockets. All stick. right, uh, we'll we'll touch yes. on the Rockets' take at the very
3: yes. end. But last main topic. Um, the Bucks are running away with the conference right mm-hmm. now. I mean, I was in Milwaukee for the game they played against Boston. I know it was close and got close at the end, but that felt largely because the Bucs just took their foot off the gas mm-hmm. at some point in the second half and let Boston uh, get back into it. Plus, Kemba Walker went crazy in that game in the second quarter to salvage that for him. But that is a complete team. It is a deep team. They can go 11 deep if you throw Sterling Brown out there into that mix. Uh, the they now have
4: differential is... Absolutely Huge! It's record-setting. It's
3: almost record-setting. It's like 12-and-a-half or yeah. something like that. It's I think cartoonish. It, you know, Giannis. You know, Giannis deserves. Uh, look, I with all due respect to the LeBrons and the other guys in this league, he should be a unanimous MVP this year. He is putting up the kind of numbers that we haven't seen since Shaq's MVP mm-hmm. season. That you know, that thirty. A better defender than Shaq. Yes, and he and I saw this in the game notes they gave out in Milwaukee. He is having the most. Eff- the most efficient season in NBA history. His PER is the most efficient right now of anybody. And the guys below him were Wilt Chamberlain Will, Michael, and, and Michael. Yeah, yeah, like right below him. So I think Giannis should be a runaway MVP. Is there anything... And
4: by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I, he's the only guy, when we talk about championship contenders, that doesn't have a star alongside him. And he's do, he's got, he maybe has the deepest team, yeah. you know what I mean? And he's got a really good coach. and a, a, But he doesn't have another star along with him. And so, yeah, we, you can't speak highly enough about Giannis. There but is no ahead. other
3: team where Chris Middleton could be the number two player on a championship level right. team. That's how good Giannis yep. is. Um, is there anything that makes you believe that this team won't, kind of just steamroll their way into to the, the finals. finals. Yes. To the finals. To the um, finals.
4: No, not at all. And I I think that I said it a month ago, I would be surprised if before the finals they have to play a sixth game. Like the, this does remind me a lot of the Cavs. At, so the Cavs made the finals when LeBron was 22 with a 48 special against Detroit. They then the next year weren't quite as good. They obviously didn't make the finals. And then they had a sixty and sixty-six win seasons back to back. One of those years, I think they were thirty-nine and two at home. Now they didn't make the finals. I think one year they lost to Big Three in Boston. One year uh they lost to it Went Seven
3: games against that that team in Boston.
4: Absolutely. The and LeBron, I think, had like a forty-five point game seven, but it wasn't enough. They lost the jump ball to Paul Pierce, which Paul Pierce, I think, still has on replay loop in his house when he walks in when he's not helping Julian Edelman get arrested. Uh the uh but the those Cavs seemed weren't able to make the finals. But they were just felt like, oh, okay, best player in the league, best athlete in the league, just a freight train in the regular season. Not a great second player. You know what I mean? Like the and no. So I I I would be surprised if they face a sixth game in these NBA playoffs before the NBA Finals. The flip side, and by the way, Giannis putting up. 30, 13, if I'm rounding, 30, 13, and 6 in 30 and a half minutes a night Wild. is insanity.
3: His per 36 are outrageous. Well,
4: I mean, his per 36, I can, we just had 20% to everything. Yeah. So his per 36 would be 36 points, over 15 rebounds, 7 assists, Three combined steals and blocks.
3: While like, being arguably the best defensive player in the game.
4: Yeah. I mean, he's certainly certainly first team all defense. Yes. It's unbelievable. Um, with all that said, I think that their dominance over the conference is so enormous that as far as the will the Bucks keep Giannis discussion, it would make me far more nervous than if Philly was also having a great year. Because if they don't make the finals, it will be considered rightfully such a failure because they're going to win the conference by 14 games or something insane that if they won 64 and Philly won 62 and Embiid was a top five MVP candidate and it's like, damn, last year we lost to Kawhi and this year, you know what I mean, lose to Philly, but we're this close. But if they somehow don't make the finals... Then I think the will Giannis leave discussion becomes really, really legitimate. Now, if they make the finals and win the title, obviously, is there for forever, or at least his next contract, if they make the final, I believe if they make the finals and lose to the Lakers, which who I think is going to come out on the other side, I still think he comes back. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like I think it's like, signs, okay. Signs
3: the Supermax, you mean. Right.
4: It like, yeah. signs the Supermax and then they, they, it says, okay, we took another step. It, it, no shame in losing to these guys, but... Their window is obviously much closer to being shut than ours and mm-hmm. these things. But I, the stakes are high because they're such – it's the way in an odd way I felt about the Chiefs in their first playoff game this year was that everything had fallen perfectly for them. They were playing a terribly coached team in Houston. They were home. They were healthy. They were huge favorites. Like, this season couldn't have been a failure unless you lose that playoff game and then you're like – Oh, is Andy Reid? A, you know, you start making maybe drastic decisions be, that you wouldn't have made that if the Chiefs had just lost a regular playoff game to a Patriots team. It's like ah, you know, it sucks. And so, because there's no real contender in the East outside of them, I I think the stakes are enormously high. But I think it's going to result in them not only going to the finals, but I think they could be 12 and one in the Eastern Conference playoffs, something like that.
3: I would say the only concern I have about the Bucks is Eric Bledsoe because yep. Bledsoe has had some uneven play in the last two postseasons. I think some of it's been a little overblown. Um, he was bad in that series loss against Boston a couple of years ago. Tara Rozier mm-hmm. completely outplayed him in that series. He was pretty good in the first two rounds last season. Then, like the rest of the Bucks, didn't play well in that conference finals against Toronto, But there's no kind of safety net now with Malcolm Brogdon gone. They've done a a pretty remarkable job in Milwaukee of replacing Brogdon in the regular season. Wesley Matthews has been a lot better than I thought he was going to be. He is a very good defensive player as a starter. Mm -hmm. Dante DiVincenzo... You know, this is how teams win. You hit on the Dante Divincenzo's, yep. the seventeenth overall pick in the draft, who has George turned Jill's himself. Been fine. And George, he's the, I think he's still the leading three-point shooter in the NBA. He's like shooting fifty-plus yeah, percent. Yeah, from that's three. right. Like he's been great. He's mm-hmm. been better than fine. Yep. It's just Brogdon was that one guy that if if you saw you know Bledsoe starting to struggle and be erratic and and miss shots and you know get down on himself, you could plug Brogdon in and expect him to be a complete player. He was. Maybe the second best player during that postseason run for them last Mm year. Um, Again, I don't know if you necessarily need him with all the guys you've brought in to replace him, but if Bledsoe lays an egg in a point guard-driven league, that could be problematic, especially, let's say you play Toronto, which has got a good player in Kyle Lowry, or even, let's say Ben Simmons gets it with Philadelphia. I mean, there are are some teams out there that can beat you at the point guard position. That's the one thing that scares me a little bit if I'm Milwaukee.
4: Well, listen, I, I think you're totally right. And I don't think it'll hurt them in the Eastern Conference side of the bracket, but it could hurt them in the postseason. Milwaukee's done a brilliant job building that team. The one do-over they would like is the premature extension they gave Blood. So they wouldn't have done it, and they would have earmarked that money for Brogdon. Yeah, because they could have like they could have given Brogdon that money eat that. Easily kept him if they hadn't just put paid Bledsoe. Now I know they still could have paid them both if they want to go deep into luxury tax, but that's hard in Milwaukee, I understand, especially when you're planning to make Giannis the highest paid player ever. It's the one mistake. It's the the one mistake was paying Bledsoe during the season when you didn't have to, and not seeing that Brogdon's just flatly a better player. Mm-hmm. A better player and a perfect fit alongside Giannis. Yeah. Because he's just such a knockdown shooter and A guy, what is Giannis shooting from the free throw line this year? That's what I thought. It's not good. Uh, And Brogdon's one of the best free throw shooters in the history of basketball. Mm -hmm. And to close out games, and by the way, Bledsoe's a really good free throw shooter too. He's above 80%. But that's another thing that when we're talking about the very thinnest margins of winning titles, yeah, that's the one mistake they've made. uh, But everybody's got something like that you know what i mean every and so you you just hope that you you don't hit on you don't make every right decision you don't hit on everything but that one it is just an easy same position Same just sw- swap those two guys out and but i mean would they be better than they are right now probably not in the regular season but maybe in the postseason
3: yeah yeah that's the one thing i'll be watching but i'm, I'm with you i think they they roll into the nba finals and and
0: we'll see what happens from there
3: Um, all right, let's finish. As I said, as you said there, with the scorching If You're hot not ready take. to
4: unveil this yet. I don't well, want I've to done make this. You. No,
3: like I did it. I, I we had these bold predictions. You know, I did like a paragraph on it. And it sent some people a little nutty when I put it out there uh, earlier in the year. But I haven't sort of put this out there, no matter what. If to me, if the Rockets' season goes south, and by going south, I mean a first round loss, I think they have to look at trading James Harden. I think they have to at least explore that opportunity. Now, bear with me. This is a team— oh, I'm
4: bearing with I haven't walked out of the room.
3: This team has scuffled up. This is not a very good team right now. They're, they're battling. They're trying to figure it they out. They
4: haven't been a good team for the last two weeks. Well, I
3: mean, they're a middle-of-the-pack Western Conference team.
4: Right, but, then, but by that definition, then no one's a good team other than the Lakers. Because they're all, they're in the middle of the pack. All right. Well, they're trending in a not a good direction right now. No, the last two weeks have been disastrous. Yes.
3: And I'm not, I'm still, there's no evidence to suggest that Westbrook and Harden can consistently be a a, a good threat together, that they they can pair together. Mike D'Antoni, God knows what happens to him after this season. Harden is, what, 30 years old now, I think? 29, 30, something like that. Westbrook is past 30. At some point, if you go out in the first round, this team is not going to get better. They have limited opportunity to kind of nibble around the fringes and improve that way. They've got Harden and Westbrook signed through at least like 2024, I think, mm-hmm. at massive numbers. They've got Clint Capella signed to a long-term contract, though that is a movable feast because I think there is interest in Capella and you could move that and contract. And it's not a bad contract. It's not a terrible contract, no. I just look at the Rockets, and I think you might have looked at it, be looking at a team that has plateaued, and if a team has plateaued, the hardest thing to do if you're a general manager is to say, look, I've got this asset here in James Harden. He's never going to be more valuable. In the coming years, there's a reasonable chance he'll get less valuable if all the, the, the wear and tear of having to carry that team over the last few years start to catch up to him. I would at least have to look and see what's out there and see if you can get a mega trade back in return. We saw, Nick, what... Paul George got from the Clippers. And granted, that was a, a different set of circumstances. The Clippers needed to do that. I mean, if they can get a mega offer for James Harden, don't you have to at least look at it? Don't is it not better to be proactive with a player like that instead of reactive and and dealing when you're in a position of weakness instead of strength?
4: I guess I've just never seen, and with respect to Paul George, he is not in James Harden's class. He is not. I've never seen the team that trades. The MVP candidate, top, you know, some people would argue the best player in basketball. I don't think he's that, but he's definitely one of the five best. You could certainly argue one of the four or three best. And the team that traded that guy away won. I just, I, they, you, the hardest thing for a GM to do is to get James Harden. Like, the, the, I give you a hard time about the Celtics, but the, the Danny Ainge obviously is a smart general manager and obviously is, you know, well above average at what he does. But the reason they have not been back to the NBA Finals since KG was, you know, since the years, the, the first three years they had KG was because that was the last time they had an MVP-level player. And that the Thunder have done a great job with the Paul George trade, but guess what? They SGA is not going to ever be an MVP candidate, I don't believe. I you know, the we will see what those picks, some of whom are currently 11 years old living in Southern California, what those players turn into. I if those guys are worth their weight in gold, and Harden did just he turned 30 right before the season. Right. He he has been shockingly durable. You know what I mean? He is the people can dislike the style of play or all these things. He clearly works as hard on his game as anyone in the league. He adds something new every single year, and you can't bottom out with him like you just can't. And Daryl has clearly gone all in on this team because you traded away your future picks for a guy who he knew. He doesn't think, I, I haven't talked to Daryl about this, but I'm. he's a smart guy. He knows that Russ in 2022, when he has a $47 million player option, that that is going to be a travesty, but you did it for this year and next year, and if you're lucky, the following year. They. I'm looking at their contracts now. They have Gordon locked up. For the entirety of Russ and Harden's contracts, they've got PJ Tucker locked up for this year and next year, and they have Capella locked up for the entirety of Russ and Harden's contracts. Like that's your team, and you you, sometimes you swing and you miss, and it happens. But I just, you, I can't trade a guy who you you know is right now in the midst of a downswing while averaging thirty-seven points. No,
3: I'm not even. It's not even a short-term. Kind of like I'm looking at this in a two-week bubble here. Yep. He is a remarkable offensive player. Third year in a row, he's going to lead the league in scoring. He's at what 37 per game yeah. right now. It is wild. And the, speaking of the durability, he's leading the NBA in minutes right now. I mean, he is, and he's, he's done that multiple times. He is incredible. Looking at the number of games, 78, 72, 81, all 82 before that. I mean,
4: he and the is year th- he played 81, he was suspended the game. It, like he didn't yeah, even take right. the yeah. night off. I mean, it's just no. He's I know people don't like him because it's not a fun style to watch. I get it,
3: but not his fault though. They built that team to cater to his strengths.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's the it's it's effective. And so I just I I cannot conceive of having one of those guys because you can be I mean, Milwaukee had had one of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. And they had to trade him. I I get it and they waited how long till they got another 40 years was it 40 35 years yep. however long from Lou Cinder to Giannis? i the you know the bulls had one of those guys and then they thought they had had it again in Derrick Rose and they did briefly he blows out his knee like you the you just can't i don't think you can ever let that asset go and
3: but if they don't win this year would you not agree that next year they're less likely to win and the year after that they're less likely to win?
4: Yeah, I, of course. But I also did feel that way about the Mavs. Like, you know what I mean? The year Dirk wins MVP, they're the one seed. They'd flamed out the playoffs before. That's true. Yeah. And they didn't win. and But they didn't tear it down. And then things broke. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Things broke right for them. And the reason they were there was because they held on to their top five guy. And so it it's very very hard to win the title and in all likelihood the rockets will look back on 15 point lead game 7 yep. western conference finals in your building and then missing 27 threes in a row as the which is still like the cruelest universe joke ever played on a guy is that happening to that team with that gm at probably That's the closest they'll ever come. Mm -hmm. Um, And, hell, I would argue you maybe should really hang a banner for taking the KD Warriors at full strength to seven games. Like, no one else took them past five. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's – they were a great team, a great team. And, by the way, they were up 15 in that game without Chris Paul, and they were up 15 in game six without Chris Paul. And they just couldn't catch it in. So probably that was as good as it'll get. But I, I couldn't break it up. I, I I could not move on from Harden. It's to me he is more valuable than I want to just pick a team. Like Harden has more value to me than the entire roster of the Spurs. And the Spurs might make the playoffs. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But as far as ability to win a championship, like the and so, I would agree. Right, and so I just couldn't do it. That's all. I would agree.
3: It's. This is your team, though. Like It's your all, team. Like you, can, you can move Capella, sure, and maybe you get some that fits in better with that system, but I think Gordon is probably going to get harder and harder to move as he gets yep. older. He's got an injury history as well. Uh, you got some other minor pieces there, but Westbrook, Harden, Gordon, the amount of money they make, it's going to make it difficult to nibble around the fringes. And without draft picks, to get the Dante DiVincenzos of the world, right. that makes it even more and, difficult. Well, so it's, you, you just kind of – like in some ways – you're going to live with, you know, we are a ceiling of a second-round playoff team, and maybe if things break right, an injury here in the playoffs, Harden going bonkers, Russell Westbrook discovering a jump shot in year, like, 13 yeah. of his career, maybe things can break right. And you make a good point with Dallas. Like, the way they they turned it around, like, that was – I mean, that, that was – I didn't see that coming in 2011 no, to, to play did. like that.
4: Uh, and then uh, – and lastly, I will say, because I was at that game Saturday, Lakers-Rockets. Yep. Man, I have not seen a player. Now, it didn't last, but I have not seen a player give LeBron the blues for the better part of two quarters the way P.J. Tucker did in forever. Like, P.J., LeBron struggled massively for a quarter and a half. Then he got hit in the face. They didn't get a call. He got super angry and took over. It also helped that during that stretch, P.J. got dinged and had to go to the locker room, so LeBron kind of got in a rhythm. But in a playoff series, P.J. Tucker can eliminate some of the best players in the league, as well as just nobody really eliminates the best players, but as well as, to me, as well as Kawhi can on the defensive end or whomever you want to say, the perimeter defenders, P.J. Tucker's on that list. And that, to go along with Harden's ability to casually drop 40 and the variance of, is this going to be a good Russ night? Like, they're still dangerous. To me, they are still a scarier playoff team than Denver or Utah. Like, they have more upside there, but they're also more likely to have a game where Harden goes 1 of 17 Mm -hmm. from 3, and they have no counterpunch. So, I get that part of it.
3: I'll say this to finish up. To acquire Harden, I would be willing to trade Marcus Smart and the Memphis pick. Wow. Wow! (laughs) I think... That's enough. I wouldn't go any what? further. No, Jalen Brown, untouchable. You are, you are talking about the likely defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart. Oh Martin. my god! Even, even Will he even be first team? One. He'll be first team. He's oh, although not a great couple of weeks for Marcus Smart, watching you know Devin Booker go crazy on him yeah, and. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, yeah, listen. It's such. I'm, I'm glad we ended with the Celtics. <laughs> I the and I for the Celtics fans listening, I am so happy. That you are back exactly in the spot you are most comfortable in, which is you have an overachieving, plucky team that is going to make you foolishly believe that you actually can maybe, if things break right, win a title. And as much as I love Giannis, nothing would throw me more than the Celtics making the NBA Finals because you know who will be waiting for them. (laughs) Nick, always appreciate it, man. Catch Nick every morning on
3: First Things First, 6.30 a.m. evening. 6 o'clock, right? Yes, 6 p.m. on the radio. 6 p.m. Sirius XM. Thanks for joining me, man, as always. Of
4: course. Later, brother.